Welcome to the Littler International Employment Law Podcast Series. Conversations for the multinational employer on issues impacting their global business. Welcome and thank you for joining Littler's APAC Employment and Labor Law 2021 Series. My name is Trent Sutton and I'm the managing shareholder of Littler's APAC Regional Hub based in Singapore. I'm joined today by Aki Tanaka, who is uniquely qualified as she is dual licensed in both Japan and the United States and practiced for many years in Japan before joining us in our Boston office. Thank you for joining us, Aki. Thank you so much for having me, Trent. Today, we're going to do a spotlight on Japan and really focus on sort of a six-month look back on what we're seeing as trends with the application of the new power harassment rules. Now, anti-bullying laws are rare in the United States. In fact, the only rules that we've seen in the United States are training rules in California, where we have to remind people about anti-bullying, that it's a bad thing to do for companies. But this is not a, a new concept in Japan. Can you tell us about, Aki, What is this law that came about in June of 2020, and how does it affect bullying? Yeah, sure. So the new law, the power harassment law, clarifies what the power harassment is, and then also steps that employers need to take to prevent the power harassment at workplace. So this isn't a necessarily a new concept in Japan, though, right? Yep. So this has been here as um, a kind of tort for many years, but the new law clarifies that it's not allowed at workplace. And then also clarifies the steps to be taken. I see. So what is power harassment? Yeah, so in a word, it's our bullying at workplace. Under the law, power harassment occurs when an employee engages in conduct that takes advantage of his position at work or his relationship with other workers. And such conduct exceeds the employee's reasonable scope of duties and may cause other workers mental or physical suffering or otherwise may be harmful to the work environment. So this is something that applies only to managers or bosses, or does this apply to all workers? Yes, uh, this is a very unique thing. This applies to all workers. So, for example, even if no manager can be um, a harasser. So, for example, if the no manager has a long uh, tenure or a superior power, maybe in terms of the knowledge or the experience in that area, and then maybe doing some humiliating things to management who is very new and young to the company, then that can be a kind of abuse of the power of the non-manager. And then that can be a power harassment as well. I see. I note that in the definition, it says that it has to be conduct that exceeds the reasonable scope. So what kind of conduct does the, does the new rules sort of prohibit? What kind of misconduct, I should say, are they prohibiting? 
Yeah, so the government has put together all the examples of the power harassment in detail, but basically there are six categories of power harassment that include physical attack, mental attacks, personal attack, isolating someone, assigning humiliating or excessive work without justifiable reasons. And have you seen complaints like this, or have you seen a case recently that maybe exemplifies how employees are understanding this new rule? Yes, so basically we are having more and more complaints from employees in Japan that basically claims everything is power harassment if they don't like their managers. So some, for example, if the managers um, some uh, has uh, kind of loud voice to the employee, and then they will claim, oh, this is, they are yelling at me, this is a kind of mental attack to me, this is power harassment under the law. Interesting. But at that point, then, I suppose the investigation will be to determine whether or not it's within the reasonable scope of the manager. Is that right? Correct. So in the investigation, we need to figure out whether there was any business reason to do so and then also it, was it only one time or the numerous times and then was there any like suffering on the employees and and so on so if somebody has a successful claim of power harassment under these new rules what kind of liabilities does an employer have so basically the common remedy the employee can get is the consolation money so let's say for example up to ten thousand us dollar amount it's not going to be a huge significant amount because japan does not have a punitive damage system i understand and this is a relatively uh, unique system of course and that other than south korea and japan we're not seeing similar power harassment rules but I do want to go back to what was alluded to at the beginning, that this law has been rolled out to large companies first and then small companies. Can you tell us about that rollout? When does it apply to who? Sure. So in June 2020, the new law has uh, started to be applied to big employees. And in April 2022, this law is going to take effect for small employers as well. And then what is big employer and then small employer is determined by multiple factors such as capitalization amount, number of employees, or the industry they are in. But basically, if you have less than 100 employees in Japan, you might be considered as a small employer in Japan. I see. And then we talked a little bit about that this gave some obligations to the employers or some steps that they needed to take. And we mentioned investigations. So in addition to prohibiting power harassment, what other obligations do employers have when they're covered by this law? Sure. So. Three other obligations that include one, the employer needs to implement the system where they receive the complaint of power harassment. The second is that they need to 
handle the complaint speedy and um, appropriately. And then the last one is that the employer is not allowed to retaliate against the complainant. And then also the employer should protect the privacy of the complainant. So this that is kind of a list of, of steps that have to take. It sounds very similar to what the rules or obligations an employer would have if somebody made a claim of sexual harassment. Is that right? Yes, that's exactly right. The law structure of the law is very similar to sexual harassment law. So these steps are exactly the same as the measures that employers need to take to prevent sexual harassment. So I know that we said it currently only applies to large employers, but as you've watched this law over the first six months, what are some of the key trends or things that you're seeing that you believe employers should know? Sure. So the trend we have been seeing is that so even small employers, let's say like U.S. employer that has just the 10 employees in Japan are getting the power harassment claims. And then also the claims can be not only toward the manager in Japan, but also the manager sit outside of Japan as well. I see. And that's interesting to me. I mean, and one of the key points that I've seen, at least even in my own practice, is to remember that the power harassment law itself is not new, meaning this concept has been around for some time. It's just the new rules about obligations, the obligations they have, the new definition defining it really comes into play at these different times. But it's something that Japanese employers already are dealing with, and, and as I understand you, are dealing with now even more frequently perhaps than they did before the law was uh, uh, refreshed, I might say. Yes, exactly. Because, you know, the government has announced this law a lot. So many employees now feel like, oh, there is a new law to prohibit power harassment. So power harassment is not allowed. So then let's file a claim. So that's, you know, it's not exactly accurate description of the law, just like you said, but still that's the notion for the common um, Japanese employee. I see. So what should then employers be doing now? Even if the law doesn't necessarily apply to them, maybe what's one step you'd recommend employers take in light of this uh, law? Yes. So. First, they need to make sure that their policy includes anti-power harassment policy. So, for example, work rules that you have in Japan might need to be revised or the global harassment policy that is applied to Japan might need a little tweak so that power harassment prohibition will be included in the policy. Well, I appreciate that very much, and, and I expect we'll continue to see power harassment uh, growing in its recognition among Japanese employees. So uh, in addition to having a policy and, and ultimately putting procedures in place to address these claims, I imagine that training your staff to understand how to take complaints and reminding employees of their what's appropriate behavior and what's inappropriate behavior would be other aspects of uh, avoidance 
for these kinds of claims going forward. Aki, thank you so much for your time and we appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much, Trent. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.